Hey everyone, before we get started, just a quick editing note. For some reason, the intros for Ross and Brandon didn't record, so it'll sound like I'm talking to myself for a brief moment, but please enjoy the elevator music in between. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode Martin Strock of the Cost Per Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Joining me today are two special guests who have become stars of the Sens podcasting world, and that's Ross Levitan and Brandon Pillar of the Locked on Senators podcast. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know you guys just made an appearance on Sense Talk as well and some other podcasts. So, plus you have your own stuff like daily. So, I definitely appreciate you guys coming on. Now, before we get into some Senators talk, I want to talk about your podcast specifically and how you've gotten to where you are today. So, I guess maybe Ross, you can go first. Just tell the listeners about the podcast and how it's grown so much in 2020. Our first big episode was dissecting the Victor Stahlberg pickup and how he'd fit as a depth piece uh, to the team going into that playoff run. And it was, what, Pilsy every once a month, maybe, at the start. And then we heated up a little bit uh, for the playoff run. There were four of us that did it. And it was just a fun thing we we would do when we could and uh, practice in the radio broadcasting as well. And then Pilsy and I both got internships at TSN for me on the radio side. Brandon was in the uh, Sports Center newsroom. So when we were both there at the same time, we'd use the the backup studio, and it's just a way to have some fun. And the Twitter account we started back when we were at school too it was starting to get like close to a thousand followers. So it was enough mm-hmm. that we were having fun with it. And uh, yeah, then we got uh, through a connection at TSN ten fifty. Mikey DeStefano, he's Al's brother. If you follow Overdrive on that station, he does the Locked On Leafs podcast. So he put us in touch with Sean Woodley, who's the uh, pro coordinator for the channel and it just kind of went from there we started doing it their um kind of requirements were five times a week which was new we usually did like one long episode a week or every two weeks that sort of thing so it was a different adjustment there but uh once we got on a roll that's just it we're both morning guys so uh, we just wake up early and bang it out every morning and one of us will edit which takes another hour or so and yeah it's it's gotten into quite the routine we uh we really had some fun with it yeah, and anything to add about your journey so far, Brandon? Yeah, I think uh, Ross covered it all pretty well there. But uh, yeah, we started in school at College of Sports Media. It's been a long way. We started as Making Sense of the Sens. We're now the Locked On Senators podcast. We lost a couple podcast members along the way, but we had to keep grinding. And it's been fun. I think the best part about doing this podcast, especially during the pandemic when there's no games going on, is all the different voices we've had on the show, all the different kinds of people that are providing input and uh, their opinions to kind of give a little different flavor to the show when it's just two guys talking sends without sends hockey for five days a week, it can get a little stale. So it's always been good to have different guests on the show and join other shows. We're mm-hmm. trying to build up this sends community and it's, uh, it's growing every day, not just us. There's more podcasts, more articles being written. I think there was a stat a little while ago saying, of the most Twitter engagements of uh, North American sports, the Ottawa Senators were among the top ones on Twitter. So the fan base is there, and they're craving the content, and we're here to give it to them. Totally, and the fan base stuff is something I want to get into a bit later, Um, so you're definitely right there. Now, I'm kind of curious about the just the locked-on franchise, I guess, because to be honest, I hadn't really heard much about it until maybe the fall or the summer or something like that. 
so yeah like just talk about that starting that up and seeing that grow over the past year like not specifically your podcast but i guess the nation uh sorry not the nation but the um i i guess ch- channel or network, or network yeah or network yeah that's what I, word i was looking for Right, so they expanded. They had the NBA and NFL. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but NHL they just added this past season. So we joined uh, about a month into the year. It was about November 10th, I think, our first episode. And what a year to start, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course, not even finishing the season. But I love the concept. It's supposed to be 20 to 30-minute shows, although Pilsy and I don't think have hit that mark in months. Uh, We always (laughs) have have a little too much to say, so we're up around 40, 45. But as long as people listen through, we get our sponsors in when we should. It's all good. The The network, though, the three to five shows, well, three in the off season. but the fact there's one for every team, the kind of concept that David Locke, the founder, came up with, he's a Utah Jazz play-by-play voice down in the NBA there, uh, was if a big story happens, you know that there's going to be passionate. He calls them local experts that have the passion yeah. and knowledge of the team but also can broadcast it in a way that sounds professional as well. And you, that passion, I guess, just comes off. And, I mean, it comes through your show as well. Whenever there's you grew up a fan of a team, obviously you're going to have that connection. You can pull stats and things from, uh, you know, the history of that organization. So if, if something happens with the Flyers, I'll wake up and I'll see what the Flyers podcast on our network is doing. So I think the idea is brilliant. And it was just a matter mm-hmm. of kind of getting the ball rolling, getting the right people in the right places. Yeah, no, totally. I love the idea. I think it's it's honestly very similar to Silver Seven Sens and like the SB Nation network, just like having a one podcast for each team. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, and, you know, I have to say too, the amount of amazing guests you guys have had on is incredible. So kudos to you guys for putting in that work. Is there a favorite interview or I guess moment of an interview for either of you? Well, I'll take that. Pillsy's going to be so... Pilsy's going to be so mad because I didn't uh, continue the interview rolling, uh, but I'm sure Pilsy, it was the uh, jersey. Yeah, part. that's what I was going to say. When we when we had an opportunity to interview Timmy Stutzla, it was uh, it, it was crazy. Like we had been kind of chasing him for weeks, and uh, we had set a time and a date finally to do the interview, and we hadn't heard from him in days. And then that time and date came, and we sent him the Zoom link, and he just joined. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, he's here. We're doing this. All right. So we kind of hopped into it quick. We did the interview quick. And as uh, listeners of our show know, and probably on Twitter, you saw I got the uh, custom Timmy Stutzla jersey with the um, love it, love it there as well. Yeah. So we showed him after the interview interview. I wish we had been recording because he was really stoked about that. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that was probably the first time he had ever seen his name on an Ottawa Senators jersey with the umlaut on it. So it was kind of a cool moment oh, and wow. he was pretty stoked to see it. So I think that's definitely my favorite because that was kind of connecting me to uh, the player as well. And it just seemed so cool to to see his face light up knowing I was kind of honoring the heritage and the, the German language in that way. Except Brandon, if we kept the thing running until we got to that point, we would have been doing Timmy dirty because he recorded this awesome little snippet for us that if anyone listens to the Locked On Senators podcast right at the start, goes, I'm Tim Stutzla and you're listening to Locked On Senators. And it took him a couple tries. So we <laughs> ran through that first. And hey, fair enough. I don't know, I wrote it out for him as a script. And it was perfect. It was a third try. So I gave him the whole, hey, third overall in the draft, third try is the charm. <laughs> turned out perfect but we did that first and as i was going through that with him brandon ran upstairs and grabbed his jersey so 
we'll leave that in the outtakes, uh, the in-between, but it would have been cool to get the reaction. For me, it was a guy who we were chasing for, well, not at all. I didn't even reach out to him, Trevor. It was uh, Jamie McLennan. His oh, wife nice. is uh, is like my mentor at TSN Radio. She's the program director, assistant program director and uh, producer for Leafs Lunch mainly. And so I just reached out to her. I said, hey, we'd love to have Jamie on. And Noodles is the best. He's like, when, when he calls Sens games, my favorite. We're obviously a goalie-friendly show. And him being that, you know, prototypical backup goalie in the 90s. He has so many stories. He's such a good guy. So talking to, uh, to Jamie McLennan would definitely be a highlight for me as well. Yeah, I mean, Noodles is such a great guy. I definitely agree that when he called the Senators games, it was it was fantastic. And to be honest, we've been so spoiled with, you know, Chris Cuthbert and Gord Miller and all these other guys, Ray Ferraro. So, yeah, just so many great guys there. Um, I'm assuming both of you are Team Umlaut then? Oh, absolutely. Well, I guess Pilsy doesn't have to answer. He's, yeah. he's <laughs> confirmed, locked, and loaded. I found it strange, though. Trevor, were you surprised that at the World Juniors, they just went, yeah. like, no one I don't really understand that, to be honest. Like, I don't – that's just kind of half-assing it. I, and, like, it doesn't really look place, as good. If I'm not mistaken, like, that's not correct in, in German spelling if you don't put the umlaut. And if you don't put yeah. the umlaut, then you need to put the E to anglicize it. So it's just wrong twice, I think. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, it's too bad. Like, you know, Lafreniere has the, um, is it Axon Grave or Egu? I forget, yeah, either one. So, yeah, I don't know why Stutzler can't get the, the umlaut in there. But now, so is there an ultimate end goal for either of you? Like, are you hoping to ultimately land a gig with a team or just sort of continue what you're doing? Well, right now we're just having fun. Like my main role at TSN 1050 is producing Leafs games. So uh, we've been robbed of that over the past 10 months, as many people have of, of whatever they're doing. So I'm really excited to get back and working in that for this season. I'll mm-hmm. fill in and produce Leafs lunch whenever Steph is unavailable, either with a meeting with her other role or having a young family at home. So I I'm, think I'm content at least doing that for the next year and really seeing where the podcast goes because uh, it's, it's happened so organically so far. It's just a fun thing that I think Pilsy and I love to do. So this is our first start of a season doing it with Locked On. So I think uh, we had a a pretty solid rookie season. I'll say it in the way the opposite of a nine-game tryout where you get sent down. We are called up mid-season after uh, spending some time in the minors. (laughs) And I think produced towards the end of the season, you know, maybe Kirby dacked it, you know, leave and then come back for the bubble, which would have been the quarantine. And that's where the podcast really exploded. So really just excited to get back talking Sens hockey on a day-to-day basis. We've made the most out of Nodak Sens. We've made the most out of following Eels with Thompson and, and Robbie there. And it's just time to get back to the the, the Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. right? The big yeah. <laughs> club and they're going to look sharp. Are you sure they ever. exist? What's that? Are you sure they exist? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like you said that today, 10 days until the next game, but yeah. 300 since the last one. So yeah, let's wild. get this show moving. And I guess to, to wrap up and answer the question you asked, we're just excited to see what naturally happens throughout the course of the season. Sens fans are an engaged bunch, and we, we just love providing that content for them. Yeah, I like that. And, um, you know, I think fans have definitely been very receptive to what you guys have been doing. So, you know, I definitely respect the hustle. And, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing there. In terms of a, so you talked about a favorite interview moment. Do you have a dream guest that you want to have on the show? Alfie. Alfie, yeah. That's what I figured. I think uh, for me, I don't know if this is dream guest, but it would be one hell of a conversation. How about Danny Heatley? That would be, uh, the questions and stories we could ask him would be super interesting. 
Yeah, that's a great answer, Pelzi. He'd be top two for me. <laughs> now, there's a guy who's just completely disappeared off the face right? of the earth. Like, what I haven't heard about to? anything from him. Yeah, pro- probably on yeah. a lake somewhere uh, on a boat. I know Healy uh, always loved being at the cottage with his boats. Yeah, yeah. Man, strange. Yeah, I think either one of those guys would be fantastic. I think I would love... Uh, I mean, Spets is such an interesting guy. He was definitely my favorite guy, like, when I was young. Um, so Not he'd be pretty cool. Leave, but no, that's a nice. that's a no dice uh, move. When, when uh, he'll back and probably retire. Front office for the Sens will have. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, something that I've been thinking a lot about surrounding the team is the state of the fan base, and you kind of touched on that earlier. Now, you guys are obviously very active on Twitter, as am I, and I'm sure you've seen your fair share of kind of heated Twitter debates, especially because there seems to be a bit of a divide, I guess, amongst fans who are maybe more jaded and cynical towards the team and those who are excited about the future and don't like seeing as much criticism. So I guess, Brandon, you can go first. How would you characterize what the fan base is feeling right now and what the landscape is like? Yeah, it's interesting. That's for sure. I think with so many years of rebuilding and let's be honest tanking it's hard to maintain any sort of positivity even though you know what your team is doing you still want to see your team win games here and now we're finally at Mm -hmm. a point where we're no longer cheering for losses like we're cheering for wins at this point we've added veteran talent uh, to the organization the management has made it clear that the days of rebuilding are long gone so I think this is a weird time for sense fans because we've kind of been in the dark and in the basement of the league so long we forgot what it's like to see the light right so I think Mm -hmm. the definitely people are they have different notions of where the team should be going and how quickly along in the rebuild uh, things should be happening but I think the key here the key thing here is and I think Rachel Dory we had her on the podcast she said it really well is you you need a healthy balance of looking at analytics and at looking at the eye test if you're too far one way or too far the other you're missing out on a lot of information and uh, valuable decision making factors so I think the key for the Sens fan base, which is very divided in that standard in analytics and eye tests, I would say, is trying to do better at coming towards the middle and seeing a balance of both ideas. Because certainly in the NHL, the teams that have found that balance and know when to use each side of the coin are the ones that are successful, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And, and Ross, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's really well said. And uh, I like what you said. I think we had a maybe a disagreement. I think I probably rolled around in the mud a little too much on that one. I think you tweeted out like what you said the decor would be, and it was just from a cynical <laughs> perspective, which, hey, that's power to you. But uh, I, I remember you replying to somebody just saying at the end, we both want the same thing, and that's the team to be successful. So having that common goal, I think, bridges a lot of gaps as is. And, I mean, it probably helps that a lot of the like solid analytics people are in the Ottawa area. Like, you know, yeah. you think of Manny and Mika right off the bat, but – um, so I guess there's there's kind of that draw in itself um, where these numbers are accessible for people who maybe didn't even know them from analyst community, but you have that hometown connection. But I don't know. I think there's a place for, for everything. And uh, as long as people can respect each other's views, then then uh, it's a good place to be because, I mean, the activity, you'd rather, you know, pull the reins a little bit like we're talking a conversation now than saying, hey, we need engagement on on social media and, yeah. and really just in conversation about the, the team. I know outside of the internet, it dominates a lot of my conversation uh, in, in my everyday life as well. Yeah, I think you guys both hit the nail on the head. I, I think there definitely needs to be more more of that middle ground, Like right? Like it's 
And I think I, I've harped on this before, and I, I just think that Twitter is definitely not a good place for nuanced discussion. And um, and you know, you mentioned our our little. I don't think it was much of a debate or anything, but you know, I was a bit upset with some of the moves, and I was just sort of taking that out with the uh, you know bit of a cynical sort of way to cope. It wasn't the funniest joke, but whatever. Um, and I think it's so easy to get into those debates on Twitter, but you know, like when we talk face to face like this like on a podcast or in person, it's way more nuanced and you can get your point across a lot easier. And like, I'm going to have no animosity towards people. Like I know obviously you guys are good guys. I know everybody else I interact, interact with is, you know, for the most part, they're going to be good people. So I think it's so, I think it's so imper imperative that we realize what both of you have been saying is that we're, you know, we're all on the same team. We're, we're in this kind of weird spot where we're, you know, I guess hopefully not at the bottom of the pit anymore. And, you know, hopefully we're on the up and up, but it's, it's just a strange place to be. So yeah, I think a lot of us are just kind of sick of all the things we've had to go through and, you know, we don't want to hear this criticism and stuff, but um, I think it's also not always easy to, I guess, be 100% positive about the team, but I can totally understand, like, you know, both sides of this. So I think just coming together would be great. And that's why I love having people on my podcast and just talking about these sorts of things. Yeah, I love that, Trevor. And um, I guess w what I'll say too to that is that y you can be cynical for good reason because everyone's gone. But well, then exactly, there's yeah. also... <laughs> One one of my one of my favorite parts about hockey is watching players develop, and that's why the draft gets so much buzz, and why we follow these NODAC leagues and uh, mm -hmm. NCAA, the junior ranks. The development is one of the greatest parts of hockey. So to have that clouded sometimes can can just feel like the knife twisting, but the knife has been twisted before. So you can see both sides from that aspect. Um, the way Pilsey described it before, and I, I really liked it, is. If people, like, for example, we'll use the, the K train as an example. Nobody liked the Tyler Clevin pick in the analytics community. And, I mean, we've seen some plays at the World Juniors, too, where, you know, he's going back for a puck and he blows a tire or maybe doesn't always make the heads-up play. And that would look terrible on a spreadsheet. But then you look at the, <laughs> the physical toll that he can put on a game. And players coming out of their zone, whether it's 7-1 or 2-1, are going to have to keep their head up. So... There, there's just I feel like the player gets judged wrongly and, and maybe other people I feel like in this situation have really banded around him and uh, and gotten fired up for like maybe little victories in his career but I think they're doing it just to to kind of back up back off of the people who are criticizing oh, totally. him so kind of pushing it back to the middle so I mean isn't that kind of what sports all about the debates yeah. on on things that don't matter at all so I actually I love it as I'm talking it out it's uh it makes a great banner and I mean, as we keep going back to, as long as you can maintain the respect level and, and bring a, a new outlook, a fresh viewpoint uh, is always great. And it kind of makes you think a little bit. Oh, totally. And like, I don't think any of us should expect, myself included, for everyone to agree with your takes, right? Like, I I acknowledge that, you know, Ross, you, you're probably going to be higher on a guy like Clevin than I am, but like, that's fine. And whatever, that's, that's, your, that's your viewpoint. So, and I do think it's, it's much more enjoyable for me um, and a lot easier to sort of be respectful having these conversations um, 
you know, on a podcast or in person or whatever, I feel like it, I don't know, it almost gets like, I know it's not personal, like 99% of the time, but it almost feels personal when it's on Twitter. Um, but yeah, like, I think, would it be fair to say that the Senators fan base is one of the most passionate out there? I'd say top one. Top one. <laughs> one, one. Yeah, I think for sure. Yeah. And and that's that's part of the reason why it's so passionate, right? If we were all eye test uh, people or all analytical people, when there, the, there's right. no discourse, right? And I kind of yeah, exactly. agree with you saying, look, I don't I don't usually roll around in the mud on Twitter. I don't like uh, the, the platform for it. There's no sarcasm button on Twitter. So things get taken yeah. out of context real quick. So that's why I, I'm a podcaster. We do five shows a week. Let's get on a show and talk about it because it gives you a chance to fully get your thoughts out without any kind of preconceived notions and you can have a good valid discussion yeah totally and i you know i I tweeted out um a few days ago as well like even just i don't know there's been a couple people that i might have gotten into you know a bit of back and forth and then we end up just like dming and things calm down because you know you're not on the timeline with other people watching and stuff so yeah like we're all just we all want the same thing here so I don't know. Is there any message you want to spread throughout the fan base to sort of, um, I don't know, just, yeah, any message you have for the fan base? I just think it's it's such an interesting place being a Sens fan because you got the Leafs right next door. They get all the news. Uh, TSN is the Toronto Sports Network. Apparently, they cover Leafs to death. I mean, Ross is a Sens podcaster, and he covers the, <laughs> covers the Leafs. That's uh, to show you. And then you got the Habs fans who are a very proud nation. They got the history. If you want to know how many cups they've won, just call their team crappy, and they'll let you know. Uh, it was a long time ago, but and then the senators were kind of this this new niche of right in between that, and we haven't really reached the pinnacle of success. But I think now we're we're coming up close here. It, the rebuild has come and gone. We're transitioning to contending uh, team. You can see the pieces that the senators have to move forward here, and I think it's time to be positive for Sens fans because finally we're going into games hoping that we win and hoping that we can get closer and closer to playoff contention here. For sure. I like that. I mean, there's definitely a lot of hope moving forward. So hopefully, um, you know, there's a lot of success in the next little little while here. So I wanted to move on to some actual Senators news. And that is the Derek Stepan trade, which I'm sure you've talked about on your own show and elsewhere. Um, but so that trade obviously involved a second round pick going the other way. So Ross, do you think Stepan will be able to recapture some of his game in Ottawa? I hope so. He's going to be given every opportunity. I know that much. Whether there's an A on the front of his jersey or not, I heard maybe there will be, at least in a rotational sense. But Mm. he brings, I think, a bit more. We had Craig Morgan on our show. He's an Arizona Coyotes insider. He said he was talking to him a couple months ago and that he changed from a paddle, as Stepan referred to, back to a skill guy blade. So a little kind of sabermetric uh, for you (laughs) analytics folks that maybe going back to that old stick blade that he used in New York could help. However, he is 30 years old, and I don't know where he's going to play. I would assume he's going to start right where they had Norris in in yesterday's line combos that Dorian had. So if he starts with Kachuk and Dadnov, I don't think you could have a better spot on this lineup. Uh, Is he going to be worth $6.5 No. Is he going to be worth the $2 million that uh, is left in his salary? I think he outplays that for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Brandon, do you have similar thoughts to that? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a end up being a good trade. And this is a guy you're going to get such a good change of scenery. Like, and it's funny saying this from a Ottawa Senators perspective, but that Arizona Coyotes franchise is in a lot of trouble, and it seems like any move yeah. they make just can't go their way. So being able to get out of that situation and into a situation where really you're you're being ignited into a youth movement, right? With the Ottawa Senators. And there's just so much energy. The you got the new logo, the new jerseys. There's so much hype around the team. And he just had uh, another child. So you you know, you got he's moving along in life and he wants to get that big next contract. Probably the last big contract he'll get of his career so this is a contract season for him it's a big deal and I think he's gonna do really well it's gonna be interesting to see if he performs really well if the Senators decide to trade him at the deadline or who knows maybe you see an extension right and I think there are a couple interesting things here one that you know in a shortened season you don't need as much of a sample in order to like if you want to ship him out you know for the same price that you paid for trading for a second round pick. It's probably a lot easier than if it was like a full season, just, just a longer, um, you know, more, more games to play in Ottawa. But, you know, I think if they had acquired him a couple years ago, I would have been stoked. I think he had a pretty solid career in, in New York. Um, he's definitely, you know, last year he wasn't that great. And I was a bit surprised to see that they had to give up such a high pick. I would have thought maybe like, I don't know, fourth or fifth or something. But um, like, what do you guys think in terms of what this does to, and we'll talk about the Paquette trade after this, obviously too, but the step on trade specifically, like, what do you think that does to Josh Norris and Logan Brown for this season? Uh, I'll get to that. I just want to say, you mentioned the Paquette trade, getting that second back is paramount. And I do like how they pushed it to 2022 because Mm -hmm. you're already in a position of strength with an extra second rounder already this upcoming draft. So you had that third one just dangling. So to get that back is huge. What does Stepan do? Adds more competition. And DJ Smith keeps mentioning how he's not afraid to play centers at the wing. So which ones are best suited? That's another good conversation. Like could Logan Brown, if he can't pick up pace through the neutral zone, but he still has that great vision. Could he be a guy who plays left wing at times? Maybe. And how comfortable would you be? For me, I wouldn't put Norris there. I just would keep him at center if he's in the lineup or uh, hopefully get this AHL season underway soon. Put him in sporadically, but who else can move to the, to the wing? Paquette, definitely. Anisimov, why not? Just put him wherever. Uh, it just creates that extra layer. Like I'm not sold on Galchenyuk the way I know Brandon is, among others. So if he's out of the lineup, would I be surprised? No. So there's different things that you can move around where the kids can still get an opportunity if, if they're willing to move veterans in and out of the lineup. And I think that DJ Smith, these veterans, he shouldn't have any real connection to or kind of feel like he owes to keep them in the lineup. So I, I'm really excited to see once we get the full roster on the ice, that next practice from DJ Smith is going to tell me a lot about where guys slot in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important this season for like, I don't think they should have any two games in a row where they have the exact same amount of forwards uh, or sorry, the exact same forwards in the lineup, just because, I mean, I think I counted like 19 different guys that could, you know, realistically play in Ottawa for forward this year. Um, obviously a lot of them will be down in Belleville this year, but I don't know. It seems like there's just so many guys that could play, whether that's Norris or Brown or even, you know, guys like Formanton or Abramov or whatever. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think is the best case scenario here with Stepan? I think with Stepan, for sure, you're going to see a top six role. That's the kind of guy he's been, even in Arizona, especially in New York. I would I would say he's never really been like a true number one center, but he's always been a solid 1A or even 1B, which the Senators, I feel like, have been accustomed to ever since Jason Spezza left. So, well, you had Matt Duchesne for a little bit, but uh, that didn't last too long, unfortunately. I think for Stepan, the biggest thing is being able to help if he does end up on a line with Brady Kachuk or even Tim Stutzla, which will probably be the two top six left wingers, is provide that veteran leadership and kind of let them know it's not all on their shoulders, right? Like, I think it must be tough for Kachuk last year, especially when guys are getting shipped out and he's a young guy and he feels like he's got to be the guy driving the line. Mind you, he can do that, but that's a lot of responsibility to put on a young kid. So if you can get a solid veteran center to play with him and or Stutzla, I think it's going to do lots of help for them. And he was, Stepan was definitely acquired because of his veteran leadership. And Trevor, I know that he's later on in his career, but don't those two wingers have a little bit in common with his two old wingers in New York with Kreider and Gabrick on either side? I think that mm. uh, he might be uh, getting a little flashback with those two, with Kachuk and Dadnov out there. <laughs> I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I mean, do you think that they would be able to recoup that second-round pick at the deadline? Like, if he, let's say, I don't, I don't know when the deadline is in terms of games played, but... You know, let's say he's played 35, 40 games, whatever, and he has, I don't know, 20 to 25 points are there. Do you think they could still get a second rounder for him? Yeah, well, the one question I would have is if you hold on to half of the cap hit, does that automatically mean you hold on to half his salary as well? Because if mm. that's the case, they would be getting a player for the stretch run and playoffs for like under a million dollars right. in real money. So I think that in itself would have serious value to any team, well, really. I, I think the, the problem is, is yeah, you, you've got the cap hit that's going to be high. So teams, if they're pressed up against the cap, they're going to need a retained salary or retained cap hit, where I think a big part of the reason why the Senators gave up a second round pick, which is probably a little pricey for most teams, but the Senators could afford it in that asset uh, aspect is because the Coyotes know that the Senators are suckers for contracts where it's a big cap hit, but not a lot of real money and bonuses already paid. So I think that's where they had a little leverage there where you don't really get that leverage going back the other way at a deadline if a contending team is uh, up against the cap unless you go the route like Ross said and retain some salary or cap hit on the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of do hope they are going to be willing to retain some of that salary because as you say, it'll be tough for some teams to take that cap hit on. Plus, we don't even know like, what the deadline is going to look like in terms of, you know, guys crossing borders and stuff like that and quarantine rules. So who knows? But, you know, obviously I wasn't the biggest fan of the move just because I thought it was quite a lot to, um, to move for him. But, you know, I think, I think it was Ross who was saying like, just having that veteran guy next to Kachuk and, and up top in the lineup, I think that does have some value and, you know, just having a guy in the room and, you know, if you want, say, Colin White or Logan Brown or Josh Norris to really take a step forward this year, you might not necessarily want to throw them to the Wolves or whatever. So I think as long as they're willing to move on from these veterans, like, you know, halfway through the season or in the offseason, then I think that's fine, um, especially if they can get that pick back. 
Now, the other Senators trade from last week was met with much more positivity as they acquired Cedric Paquette, Braden Coburn, and a 2022 second rounder for Marion Gabrick and Anders Nielsen, who, you know, obviously they'll just both be on the LTIR. So what do you guys see as the motivation behind this one for Dorian? Well, this is this is a situation now where you have Dorian weaponizing the cap space and those uh, long-term injury reserve contracts, right? Using them as a way to acquire draft picks or future pieces. But Tampa Bay was up against the cap, so they had to send some money back. And you get a, a very veteran defenseman in Braden Coburn, probably going to be on the taxi squad, 7th D, uh, in and out of the lineup here. You get that second round pick back a year later that you gave up for Derek Stepan. So you feel a little better. The fan base feels a little better about that trade. And then I actually really like Cedric Paquette. I think people underestimate him maybe because he's a fourth line guy. You, you look at the box score or his uh, point totals at the end of the year and you're not that impressed. The thing that I always talk about and we've talked about on our show is he was able to get in every single game leading up to the Stanley Cup Finals for the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you have a team that's that stacked with that many options in the bubble and lots of teams were rotating players, he wasn't rotated out of the lineup. That goes to show how good he is at his role. He led the team in hits last season, and I think he works really well with the Senators because he's only 27 years old. And I wouldn't really say they have a young center prospect that's going to fill that fourth line role. I think their center prospects, you're hoping they're going to be top six or a third line center. You don't really have that young grinding centerman. So I think he's a guy that you could see get re-signed, uh, not just shipped at the deadline, even though he is a UFA on an expiring deal next season. Mm, yeah, you know what? I hadn't even thought about him staying until you brought up that point, but I think that's I think that's a really good point. I think Ottawa definitely loves these guys who are like, quote unquote, hard to play against and, you know, throw a lot of hits and stuff like that. So I could see him staying around. Um, I think he's definitely limited. Like he's he's going to be in that in that fourth line role. I do hope that he doesn't take away spots from from other guys just because they have so many players. But I see him anchored on that fourth line pretty much. Maybe even you think so? a guy that gets swapped in and out of the lineup for Anisimov or, or another uh, guy to play center here and there. But yeah, I don't see him really taking uh, away anyone's job in, in the top nine, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I will say he has really good uh, penalty kill numbers. So I think DJ Smith will love that. I think he'll probably get tons of time there. Hopefully that can kind of you know, limit him on, on five on five because he isn't going to be much of a goal scorer. But yeah, Ross, any thoughts on the move there? Yeah, well, he's just a DJ Smith type player. Like He's going to grime it up. If you are go if you go up two goals, he's, he's a guy to throw over the boards, him and Austin Watson, that next shift. I mm-hmm. always I always tell Pillar, I'm, I'm of the mind that if you have an offensive zone shift with that fourth line, pull the left winger off early and get Brady out there and see if you can maintain a cycle with your three biggest bodies up front. Pillsy'd rather have him out there with the, with the skill guys. But, um, no, I, I just think he's a, he's a guy who can plug and play whenever you need him. I don't expect him to play 40 games. I'd say if, if he plays half the games, if he's up at like 22 to 25, I think that's a perfect number for Paquette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening, that, that sort of range of games played. Now, what about just like the overall veteran acquisitions they've made since October? So like they've obviously moved on from Ryan, Borvietsky, Duclair, Anderson, Hainsey. You know, if you can even count Duclair as a veteran. But 
so they've obviously brought in so many of these guys. They brought in, you know, Galchenyuk and Coburn and Paquette and Stepan, um, Dadnov. I guess Murray sort of counts. That whole, that whole right side of the D, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, good Branson. I mean, all these guys. So what do you think of all these veteran acquisitions that they've made since October? Uh, some good, some bad. I mean, you had to replace Borowiecki and Hainsey at least with one of Gabranson or Brown. I actually really like what I've seen from Gabranson um, over his time in Anaheim at least. And uh, we had Wayne Scanlon on uh, Locked On Senators on Tuesday, and he knows Wayne or he knows Goody from growing up because he has a son that was his age, and he was always mm. kind of the leader. He was telling us, and he also mentioned and fairly so like doesn't it feel like he's been in the league forever he came in as a 19 year old (laughs) he's already been in the league for 10 years and he plays a physical brand of hockey so wayne was talking about how this long pause could help eric more than more than more of a kind of your typical nhl player so i'm excited to see how he comes out tempered expectations i know you're out west right you probably have more of a remembrance of how he played when he was on the canucks which by all accounts, not great. Same can be said, I'm sure, among the few fan- Panthers fans that remember him from his time there. But playing with Cam Fowler kind of would prepare you for a guy like Thomas Shabbat. So I'm willing to give Gabranson a chance. He intrigues me. I would have gone, like I said, with, with either him or Josh Brown, but the organization seems to be pretty high on Brown. I mean, Pierre Dorian even mentioning his name in, in a leadership role uh, on the radio the other day, which kind of caught me off guard. Where does our Tim Zub fit in all the, on here? Do we count him as a prospect or a veteran? Like, uh, right. he's 24 <laughs> turning 25, but has never played an NHL game. Is he Igor Ojeganov, or can he be an actual contributor at this uh, in this league? Up front, I'm a, I'm a sucker for an Austin Watson-type player. I think there's room for one on every team. And I hope that he can contribute a little bit offensively. He's not the first-round pick that he once was, but he's a guy who can give you useful minutes in the forecheck. And, a kind of guy who I think thrives on those playoff style series. So they added a ton of toughness. They kind of clogged up room for their young kids. But as you mentioned, not playing the same forwards every night, Trevor, you're going to need a lot of different guys in and out of the lineup. So I think Mm -hmm. that Dorian did a great job acquiring depth. It's just how are they going to use it? to maximize the development for people who will matter going forward. Yeah, if I could just add one thing quickly. Mm -hmm. I I don't think you see all these kinds of moves in a normal season as well, right? Like with the addition of the taxi squad, with teams being more cap-strapped than usual, with let's let's face it, hopefully as minimal as possible, but uh, COVID-related injuries and missing time in action. Like there's so many different variables here that if you're really trying to show your team that we're done rebuilding, we want to set you up for success, especially in an all Canadian division when the competition uh, playing field has gone up that much more. You don't get the Buffaloes and the Detroits and the Panthers and kind of the lower teams on the end of the spectrum here. They're all playoff contenders. So I think these moves and adding all these veteran guys definitely reflects on the type of season that's coming up here. And if it was a normal season, maybe you don't see quite as much veteran addition this year. And I'm just going to jump in quickly because I heard two GMs, I think it was Friedman anyways, one of the big guys tweeted out that there's expected to be no trades during the season, right? Mm. Because you have the quarantine rules. Like you're going to get a guy and then 10 days later, he can hop in the lineup. That's got to be on the minds. Like think about the Mike Condon pickup. We mentioned Stelberg, like depth pickups throughout the year aren't going to be as likely. So stock up in the off season. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's certainly a strange season. And I guess there's no harm in, you know, making sure all of your, your bases are covered and you have enough guys. I think they certainly have enough depth now. Um, I wanted to briefly mention something with Artem Zub. I mean, man, he's just got to be so pissed after... <laughs> I think when he signed, I'm pretty sure Nikita Zaitsev, and I guess if you want to count Christian Yaros, were the only right shot D. And now he sees, you know, good Branson come in and Coburn and um, Josh yeah. Brown. So <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I'm sure he had a call to his agent uh, as Goody and Brown were brought in, just like, "What's going on here?" I, yeah, because he chose Ottawa <laughs> over a bunch of different suitors, so he had his pick of the litter, and he thought he was going to get his best shot in Ottawa. But again, he's same thing uh, as the prospects, right? He's going to have more competition, and he's going to have to prove that he's the guy that deserves that ice time. Yeah, for sure, and um, I think overall, like. Now, I had an article come out a couple days ago talking about how Dorian's actually, since he came into the league, he's the third most active trading GM out of anyone. So, like, he averages just over 10 trades a year. I think, who was first? Um, was it Dubis? Dubis might have been... Right? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant what was his first trade. No, no. I, th I believe it was... I, th I think uh, Bob Murray and Dubis were the only ones ahead of him. So... You know, we know that Dorian is obviously a very active GM. And yeah, I think like certain moves, like I love the Dadanov pickup. I think Matt Murray has, he's definitely a risk, but like I like taking that risk. And others I was a bit lower on, but um, even a guy like Good Branson, who, you know, you, you mentioned that I'd be more familiar with him in Vancouver. And um, <laughs> it was just funny seeing some people's reactions uh, like some of my friends or just just people I know around here here who are Canucks fans, just sort of, I don't know. They give them the CC treatment, hey? Yeah, they they sort of laughed at me a bit when they when they saw that Good Branson was going to Ottawa. But I will say, he does seem like honestly one of the best guys like to have in your room because he's like a genuinely you know like progressive voice. Like he's been supporting really good causes, like you know uh, LGBTQ plus and. Uh, I believe he spoke up about, about Black Lives Matter and things like that. So just having, it's almost like a Mark Borvietsky role, I guess, sort of replacing him. So I think having guys like that who can just be positive role models is never a bad thing. Yeah, they went from West End to East End, right, with their local connection. Um, yeah. Boros, uh, Canada guy, and then Goody grew up in Orleans, Gloucester. Exactly. There you go. So... I think it was a pretty interesting off season, but um, man, honestly, I'm just so Active excited for to. Sure. Was that? Yeah, no, no better time to be a Sens fan, right? Versus other teams, like think about Toronto. I mean, actually, Joe Thornton's kind of exciting, but like you're <laughs> literally arguing like who's going to be the fourth line center, whereas Ottawa, you could. There's so much intrigue into how this roster is going to be built and what they're going to do with the amount of assets they've accumulated. It's it's really fascinating, and it's going to be a hell of a ride here this year. I mean, that's fantastic for you guys having to do like an episode every day. Like you'll have more than enough content. So, Yeah, we're at, uh, we're at 171 since the last Sens uh, play. Insane, insane. Honestly, <laughs> appreciate it. That's, that's so good. So as we head into the 56 game season, then it's obviously going to be quite different than, you know, other years. Ross, what are your overall expectations for this team? And is it possible, possible that they can surprise some people? Oh, yeah, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. But we're already getting that preemptive 
maybe Ottawa could surprise from a few people who are <laughs> starting to sense the uh, the tea leaves here because once you get a goalie, anything can happen, right? True. And can we get the Matt Murray of a few years ago, or is it the one who, by Penguins fans' accounts, can't catch? So that wouldn't be ideal if uh, pucks are falling out of his glove and ultimately end up in the back of his net. But I'm confident we'll get the old Matt Murray, and we, we've heard great things about Pierre Gru as a goalie coach. So I'm excited to see him, but also – Hogberg decor going forward. Like, well, how's that going to shake out? And mm-hmm. obviously a lot of people love Joey. He's been a guest on our show multiple times. We actually just talked to Shifty, the guy who painted his helmet this oh. past week, which was an awesome interview kind of off the beaten path. But that was a really cool chat. One of the best buckets in the league. And I'm convinced that we're going to see it in NHL games this year. So I'm excited, obviously, for the goaltending. But can they surprise overall? Yeah, by finishing sixth, maybe. Like, this <laughs> this Canadian division is just so loaded. Mm. Like, who can they realistically finish ahead of? I, I could make a case for Winnipeg, but unfortunately most of those cases involve Hellebuck not playing most of the games for whatever reason. Other than that, like, I just think Edmonton's the other team defensively that you look at, but then they have the two best offensive players, you could argue, in the entire league. So it's just going to be such a challenge. But I'll echo what DJ Smith said. That could be good for the long-term outlook of this team. A high pick in a in a uh, season where you suffer less, where it's only 56 games, and hell, yeah. just the excitement of, of the playoff-style series is going to be enough to get you through a year, even if the Sens are losing, so long as the kids show progression. And I'll double down on the hot take that we had on our show. I think that Timmy Stutzla will be a top-three Calder guy so Ooh. long as he can play with Evgeny Dadanov for at least a portion of the season. Okay, I like it. I like the hot take. I think I'll echo I'll echo your sentiments too. I think that you know, I'd much prefer I mean obviously I'm I'm going to cheer for them and you know, you hope they make the playoffs every year. Um but I think it'd be much more important that they actually have these young guys like Stutzla and Batherson and Brown and Norris and whoever at least have like multiple guys, you know, cement their spot in the lineup and actually show some progression because I think that's much more important to their future outlook. But yeah, Brandon, do you have uh, any any different thoughts than Ross there? No, pretty similar. I think the the key thing here is you're not looking at how many points did this team uh, get at the end of the season? What uh, yeah. position did they finish in the standings or in the division? It's all about progression, development, and compete level. And I, I feel like those are probably three buzzwords that DJ Smith uses on a regular day-to-day basis. So <laughs> I think it's... It's just going to be nice to, when the Senators win, you're actually excited. You're not heading to the standings quickly and being like, hey, now they're three points ahead of Detroit. That changes their odds this way. Like, no, when they win, you can be excited and you're going to want them to win these games and at least be have some pride and really kind of come out with this new culture, this new logo, this new jersey with a bang and really show the league that uh, they're here for real now. And I think when you asked, are they going to surprise teams? I think we're going to see a lot of situations in these long series, three, four, sometimes even five game series against the same teams. At the end of those series, the Senators are going to wear teams down with their compete level, with those uh, grind type players like Watson, like Goody, like Paquette. Sure, maybe they're not scoring all the goals, but they're getting bumps and bruises on their opponents along the way, and that wears these teams down. I think you're going to see the Sens win a bunch of back half games in these series here. So, Brandon, and they're you're telling still me... better. 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry, they're still better than the German teammates that Timmy Superstar had at the World <laughs> Juniors. So if he can do it with those those guys, he certainly won't have trouble putting up points with uh, the teammates he'll have in Ottawa. That's a good point. Uh, I was going to say, Brandon, are you telling me that this is the return of the pesky sense? In a sense. I mean, I think uh, we can all look back at the pesky sense and smile, but we're, we're going to brand it a little differently. I don't know. I don't know what yet. I think it'll come. It's got to come naturally, right? You can't force yeah. it, but it's going to be pesky sense-esque. Right. No, I like that. And, and yeah, it'll be, man, it'll be so different this year. Just like only seeing six other teams. Um, I feel like I'm going to be sick of so many players, you know, Brendan Gallagher at the top of that list. Oh, but, I feel like we're going to be adding Josh Anderson to that list. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, well, so last question for me today for you guys. So what's one thing that you're both looking forward to the most this season? Um, I guess, Brandon, go first here. Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go hashtag goalie friendly show. Ross and I are both tendies. I'm most looking forward to Matt Murray having a bounce back season because Ross said it earlier. The big difference here is we've got a guy who's only 26 years old with two Stanley Cup rings on his fingers already. This guy can be clutch when given the time. And they gave up a second round pick and Jonathan Gruden and they signed him to a four year ticket, which I mean, a lot of people are saying, and I would pretty much agree that the 6.25 or whatever it is right around there was a bit of an overpayment for a guy that had Mm -hmm. such a down year. But if you can get him back to his form and he's going to grow up with the the rest of this core that's growing up with the team and get him starting off that contract with a nice good year and uh, some confidence, this is going to be a major deal breaker for the Senators having a clutch bonafide number one starter in that mm-hmm. yeah and and ross um i hate to give such an obvious one but seeing how tim stutzler's game translates to the nhl is going to be fascinating from the moment the puck drops on his 19th birthday trevor how sick is that he makes <laughs> his realize, NHL debut in, in all likelihood january 15th against toronto and we're joking on our show. He just needs to put up four goals and win something Austin Matthews couldn't do in that same rivalry situation. <laughs> Rest aside the birthday. But if Timmy can come in and contribute, that just puts this rebuild on a whole other level of fast track. And a second one I'll, I'll say briefly, and how could no, someone not be impressed with Brady Kachuk, what he's already done? But what's the where's the limit for this guy? His brother exploded in the third year of his pro career. Yeah. Could we see the same? Like two 20-goal seasons, but could we see 30 even in a shortened season? I don't know. But he I, – I mean, don't the fancy stats point to that too? I want to say like – He led the league in goal, expected goals. There you go. Who's the stats guy now? <laughs> perfect way on the last question for me to go. bring up the fancy stat. But that's important. And, I mean, the eye test says the same thing. He's poking at pucks in front of the net every single shift. So how can you not be stoked to watch Brady get back on the ice as well? Exactly. I love that. I mean, Kachuk is such a – he's a perfect, uh, you know, complement between eye test and stats test because, you know, he looks fantastic in both. And yeah, I think those, your answers probably would have been my answers too. I think Murray has, he, he's definitely, I mean, he definitely has a low floor as we saw this past season, but his ceiling is also really high too. So I think if he can, you know, recapture that magic, then that's huge for the team. I think watching Stutzler will be so much fun. I'm really high on a guy like Drake Batherson. So I'd love to see what he can do finally in the top six. 
Um, you know what? It'll just be... Who would you start him with? Who would your ideal line mate for Batherson be for game Well, one? I think easy spot to put him in is on that second line. I think, you know, maybe put him with Stutzla. And then center, it's tough. Like, if you're putting Stepan on the first line, maybe you put... Maybe Colin White or Tierney. It's not really that clear, to be honest. Yeah, one of those two you wouldn't try to sneak in. It would be too young of a line if you kept Logan Brown. I know him and Drake had that connection. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if DJ would, though. No, I don't don't see it from DJ's point at all. I think that if, if Norris or Brown make the team, and we saw Logan Brown was situated with Connor Brown, I just see him having his two way veteran right wing presence. I think that Connor Brown would be on either of their their line. Mm-hmm. I thought you were gonna make a, a Brown Brown and Josh Brown joke, but yeah. <laughs> well and Dean Brown and then we always oh, have goodness. to shout yeah. out Henry Brown as yeah. Den's prospect. <laughs> so the, yeah the Browns run deep in Ottawa, no doubt. There you go. There you go. Alright. Um well I think that'll do it for today. But before we sign off, Brandon I'll start with you. Anything you'd like to plug? Well, I'll start off uh, going to shamelessly plug our own show. Not a, not uh, yeah, go for too shy to do that. At Send Central on Twitter, the Locked On Centers podcast, five days a week. Ross and I are grinding to get content out, and we always love chat and send. So we're happy to join your show as well, Trevor. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, any any plugs for you, Ross? No, just send Central on Twitter. Uh, always love interacting with you as well. Um, yeah, just keep it up, and we're always happy to be back, and we'll definitely be having you on as a send Central citizen here in the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, plenty of hockey talk as the season winds up, and uh, we're excited along with you, I'm sure, to, to help provide some entertainment, some laughs, and uh, keep everybody up to date on what's going on in the hockey world. Yeah, thanks. Really appreciate it. Um, for the listeners, if you haven't checked them out yet, I highly recommend taking a listen. They're putting in a ton of effort. So thanks again, guys. Really appreciate coming on. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cosper Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS, read my articles at Silver7Sends, and also follow my YouTube channel called The Hockey Shack. If you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send me a message at cppointcast on Twitter where you'll get any updates about the show. Next week, there will be a season preview episode, so be on the lookout for that. Adios.